Episode 16, Ethnic Discrimination, Why Mongol Yuan's Reign Was So Short. Hello and welcome to Stuff You Missed in Chinese History. Today we'll discuss the demise of the Mongols Yuan Dynasty. In a previous episode, we spoke about how Genghis Khan adopted the suggestion of Minister Yelu Chusai. That was to instruct the Yuan government to resist turning every bit of farmland across China's central plain into pastures. Instead, the Yuan dynasty imposed taxes on farmland a hundred times higher than what the Southern Song dynasty levied. The Mongol rulers, like those in the Qin dynasty, took precautions against armed rebellion. They confiscated civilian weapons, imposed a curfew at night, and prohibited Han people from raising horses, hunting, and practicing martial arts. This was nothing compared to what else was going on. The most distinctive feature of the Mongols' tyranny and the most criticized of the Yuan dynasty was the division of people into classes. There were four. The first class was the Mongolians. The second class was Sumu people, which translates to color eye people. The Sumu included ethnic groups from the western regions and Central Asia, such as the Buddhist Turpan Uyghurs, Tanguts, and Tibetans. Nestorian Christian tribes like the Ongud, Alans, Muslim Central Asian, Persian, and Turkic peoples, West Asian Arabs, Jews, and other groups from farther west. The third class was the Han people, including all ethnic groups north of the Yangtze River. They were mainly residents from the former Jin dynasty, Dali Kingdom, and Korea. The fourth and lowest class was the Southerners, the Han originally under the rule of the Southern Song dynasty. Unsurprisingly, these four Yuan dynasty classes were not equal in any way. Politically, the Mongol rulers did not allow Han people and Southerners to become high-ranking officials. There were also restrictions on participating in the imperial examination. Economically, for example, the government recruited folk horses. The Mongols could be exempt, while the Han and Southerners had to hand over the full amount required. Legally, if a Mongol beat a Han, the Han could not fight back. If a Mongol killed a Han, there was no need to pay for the life taken. The killer only had to enlist in the army to serve and pay for the victim's funeral. In the event of a theft, the face of a Han or a Southerner must be tattooed with a lifetime mark. But the Mongol and Sumu people were exempt from this punishment. As we mentioned earlier, following the Sui and Tang dynasties, ethnic integration became a major trend. This was especially true during the Tang Dynasty, which promoted equal treatment of all people, including the Han and the Hu. Both the Yuan Dynasty and the later Qing Dynasty, established by the Manchu, ruled a huge area home to a small ethnic group of people. In addition to maintaining its strength by military force, problems with insufficient managers and excessive costs were inevitable. The previous Han Dynasties used barbarians to control barbarians, such pitting the Qianbei and Qiang against the Xiongnu. The Yuan dynasty used ethnic discrimination to intensify conflicts and divide the unity of various groups to facilitate its rule. To understand why a dynasty failed, one way is to explore what its opponents preached. For example, we have told the story of Chun Shong rebelling against the Qin dynasty. He said, the people, the people suffered, suffered the Qin for, for a long, long time. time which immediately pitted the citizens against their rulers. In the late Yuan dynasty, Zhu Yuanjiang, who later founded the Ming dynasty, 
published an official article about fighting the Yuan before he led his army to fight north of Nanjing. You are listening to Some You Missed in Chinese History, written and produced by Shuku Wong, presented by Patrick Fanny. Zhu Yuanjiang emphasized three points of view. First, Mongols were barbarians and not fit to occupy and rule China. China should be ruled by the Han people. Second, the Yuan dynasty abused the people and had lost the so-called mandate of heaven or the blessing of God. Third, Mongolians or Sumu people would be treated as well as the Han if they were willing to surrender. As we've said before, during the progress of the Sinicization or Hanization of the Hu people and the Huization of the Han, people were mainly told apart based on culture rather than ethnicity. This was certainly the case for the Yuan dynasty. Zhu Yuanjiang accused the Mongol rulers of the Yuan dynasty of failing to identify with the Central Plains culture, let alone overall Chinese culture. Skipping over the heir apparent in favor of the younger, Killing the king with a minister and marrying the brother's wife might not make a big deal in Mongolian custom, but in Zhu Yuanjiang's essay, these are the most important reasons why the Yuan dynasty should be stripped of its reign. The distinction between the Hu and the Han peoples was based on culture rather than ethnicity. In fact, Zhu Yuanjiang and his Ming dynasty inherited many systems from the Yuan dynasty. For example, Jews strengthened the emperor's power, abolishing the position of prime minister, which had been in place since ancient times, so that administrators of all six ministries of the government reported directly to him. He also implemented the craftsman household system in which households passed from generation to generation could not switch professions. Zhu Yuanjiang implemented these Yuan dynasty systems thoroughly and strictly. But let's get back to the dying Yuan dynasty. It would never be destroyed by ethical and cultural accusations. So, how did such a powerful dynasty collapse? In our last episode, we talked about Marco Polo. He once observed the post offices and roads throughout the country during the Yuan dynasty. These postal roads extended in all directions to every corner of the vast country and, together with the Grand Canal, became the main way for the Yuan to control the entire country. It was precisely this system that was hit hardest by the rebel armies at the end of the Yuan dynasty. The earliest initiator of the uprising in the late Yuan dynasty was the Red Turban Army, an important event influenced by the Yellow River Renovation Project, which was also supposed to clear the Grand Canal. Like the Qin and Sui dynasties, these projects overused labor and shrank the base of the Yuan dynasty. Once the Red Turban Army began the uprising, it cut off the Grand Canal. The center of the Yuan dynasty's rule was in the north, and the economy was hit heavily by the lack of material transported via the Grand Canal in the south. What did the Mongol rulers do? Well, as we mentioned in a previous episode, shipping was highly developed back then. They moved the ships transporting grain and other materials from the south to the capital city, in today's Beijing, to routes along the coast. However, the second blow soon came. Fang Guozhan, the leader of the peasant uprising in Zhejiang was a pirate. He attacked the seagoing ships of the Yuan dynasty. Zhang Shicheng, the leader of Jiangsu's rebel army, even controlled the Yangtze River Delta, cutting off all possible connections between shipping ports and the Grand Canal. In addition to the loss of sea transportation, the Yuan government was unable to collect the salt tax from southern China, the wealthiest part of the country. 
the economy suffered heavy losses and the Yuan dynasty began to disintegrate. It was the economic crisis caused by the uprisings and chaos in the Mongol Empire that eventually destroyed the dynasty. was responsible for the demise of a dynasty during which the Great Wall was built. Italian merchant and explorer Marco Polo finished his masterpiece about China in prison. An emperor proclaimed African giraffes as magical Chinese unicorns, Follow the podcast, Stuff You Missed in Chinese History, to learn more fun facts during the past few thousand years in this country with Patrick Flannery. That's all for this episode of Stuff You Missed in Chinese History. Thanks for listening. And in the next episode, we'll talk about a Chinese mariner, explorer, diplomat, fleet admiral, and court eunuch named Zheng He. In his legendary voyages from China to Southeast Asia, the Indian subcontinent, Western Asia, and East Africa. I'm Patrick Flannery. See you next time. Special thanks go out to Sanlian Zhongdu for their help in creating the content for this show. If you like the podcast, please give us a rating and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Music